If you rewind a couple weeks, I do want to thank Scott. Is Scott here? Thanks, Scott, for uh, preaching last week. First, uh, the first week with the, uh, the chairs. Thank you, sir. Um, I, I, I listened to his message, and uh, man, that, that, the whole bit about the hookers, pretty great. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, you should go back and listen to it. It's available on our uh, YouTube channel. Um, but if you cast back three weeks ago, we talked about uh, John telling us what the love of God is. And we found that the love of God is always on mission to rescue, save, liberate, forgive, redeem. It's always on mission. And also, the love of God always costs. It hurts a little bit. It costs us something. And so today, John's going to just tell us a little bit of the good news about what that means. A little side bit about uh, some, some good things that are, that are the, the side effect of loving the way God loves. And so let's just look at It's just two verses. Um, let's, let's take them apart. Um, this is 1 John 4, uh, 17 to 18. This is how love has reached its goal with us. So we have confidence in the day of judgment that we are just like Jesus in this world. Fear is not in love. Instead, mature love drives out fear because fear carries punishment. Whoever is afraid has not yet reached love's goal. Um, this, uh, this text is actually very difficult in Greek. Uh, John was not, uh, Greek was uh, John's second language. And so sometimes when he's writing, it gets a little confusing about what he's trying to do. And so I, I've tried to separate it out here to make it very clear that that bit about the confidence in the day of judgment, that's sort of like a parenthetical, okay? Um, so what we, we want to take a, a look at first is, is what does it mean for love to have reached its goal with us? Um, other uh, translations might say things like uh, when love has become perfect, uh, mature. But really, uh, there's, there's two Greek words um, that are in the background of this text. They get used over and over and over again. They're the verb and noun forms of telos or teleo. Tell, tell. Uh, and, and, and what that means is it means goal-reaching, maturity, getting to the end, the end of what you're aiming for. Okay? So when we hear the word perfect, a lot of times we think flawless. That's not what this means. This isn't flawless love. This is love that has reached its goal. It has achieved what it's trying to do. This is the love of God. It's in us, and it's now uh, making, it's, it's, it's getting to where it's supposed to be. And when it does that, when it does that, we'll find that we are just like Jesus in the world. Just like Jesus. Uh, and that doesn't mean that we're going to uh, you know, in, become, it, what it means is that, is that our interactions with people are going to be the same type of redemptive, loving, missional actions and attitudes that Jesus himself had when he was here. Now, it's been about uh, six years since I was in shape. Um, I think that was the last time. What's that? Oh, uh, it's coming up, but no, 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 not, not of me, no. I should have, I should have, yeah, got the 32 jeans, Tom. Oh, man, that was great. It was pretty awesome. My wife loved me. My kids respected me. It was just a different time. Um, anyway, the reason I got into shape was because at the time we had this uh, guy here at the church. Uh, he was a Navy doctor. His name was Leith. And Leith, uh, <laughs> he, he took pity on me because I was kind of scrawny. And he was like, we're going to work out three days a week. And what happened while we were working out is he insisted, it was in his, in his garage, he had like a whole setup, he insisted that the entire time we watch Pumping Iron by Arnold Schwarzenegger. We have that, that, have the picture of that? 
There it is. Yes. This was supposed to motivate us, right? I was grossed out. I was like, people shouldn't look like that. That's horrible. Uh, <laughs> but nevertheless, I'm sitting there. You know, I hate leg day. Leith loves leg, leg day. So after doing a bunch of squats, he'd be like, you can still walk. So now we have to go over to the side and sit, do wall sits. Have you done those? Just all, he just made me do it until I could no longer walk. And he's like, dude, look. Look at what you could become. I was like, I, probably not, because I'm pretty sure you need to use illegal substances to achieve that. Um, and second, and second, I hate the pain. Like the whole point of pumping iron, when you're watching it, it's no pain, no gain. He's like, you work these muscles until they're, the way Leith described it, drained. So there's nothing left. And then, but then, I noticed this on Pumping Iron. Wherever, uh, whenever you're watching the, the show, all these guys are surrounded by mirrors. Right? And they're always doing like... And they're like showing off the... Tr- like, oh! And you're like, ooh, there's a muscle I didn't know existed. That's cool. And it's like popping out. And, and I, I thought at the first this is just vanity, but it's actually not. Uh, what's going on is, is, they're, is they're, they're paying very careful attention to the way that pain produces change. Right? So, similar to, to me, I, for, these are, what are these? Quads? Is that the ones that you do, the wall set quads? Okay. So, what I noticed is that over time, I could look in the mirror and go like, eh, like flex it, and it would like, boop. And I was like, oh, there's something there. It's so pretty. Um, and what that was is it was a visual representation of how pain brings about transformation. It brings about growth. And, and what John is saying is he's like, hey, the love of God is actually very similar to pumping iron. So the love of God is hard, right? It's always on mission. It's always seeking to redeem, uh, to change, to transform. It's always on mission. But it also, it also costs stuff. It costs you something. You have to give something of yourself. It hurts. But, 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 if you do it and you stick with it and you hold fast and you keep going, sooner or later, you will actually transform into someone who's just like Jesus in the world. Now, that's an awesome benefit. That is, that's the goal of love. But now John's going to note a few, th- like, side, good side effects, okay? So let's go, uh, first thing, uh, uh, your note sheets, is, is uh, that love, uh, God's love is like a muscle. The more you use it, the more it transforms you. And this should bring up some questions for us, yes? Um, how strong are God's love muscles? I was going to call them love muscles, but I was like, eh. How strong are God's love muscles? Are we working out? Okay. Uh, do you notice that you are spending time or you're going out, you're finding people, you're, you're looking, and you're, and you're practicing what it is to be self-giving in your love? Or are you like me and you're like, I'm comfortable and I hate pain? Second, who could use a little love? training time. Uh, we got this event today, and you can't love somebody you don't know. And so right after uh, we, I, I finish, we're going we're gonna to head out, and we're going to hang out and have fun. The kids are going to go nuts. It's an awesome opportunity for you, for all of us, to start getting to know the people around us. And when we're doing that, we might find, we might get an intuition, a sense that here's a person who's 
in need of some redemption, in need of some forgiveness, some change. We might notice here's a person who seems like they're on the edge and and they could use a a little bit of transformation. That's your opportunity to go to the God's Love Muscle Gym and start working out. Let's go back to the text. Notice this little parenthetical. He's like, hey, if once, once God's love meets its goal in you, um, you're going to be like Jesus in the world. But check it out. You'll also have, what, confidence in the day of judgment. Now, it goes on. Fear is not in love. Fear seems to be a big problem. Mature love drives out fear. Why? Because fear carries punishment. That's an odd way of, of talking. But again, John's uh, Greek here is a little bit inelegant. And what it, it, kind of what he's getting at is something like this. Every fear that we have carries some kind of harm that we're afraid of, right? So, for example, if you're afraid of fire, what are you actually afraid of? Burning, getting burned, right? If you're afraid of water, what are you actually afraid of? Drowning. Um, Every fear that we have comes with it some kind of, this is what I don't want to happen to me. That's what generates the fear, right? So, I I am afraid of doctors. Um, I didn't used to be, but Again, like about six years ago, just my brain broke. And uh, now I am afraid of doctors. And, and why? What's that? I'm not afraid of good health. I'm afraid of what they're going to tell me about my bad health. Right? If I go there and I give them my blood, they're going to be like, you need a 180, bro. And I'm terrified of that. I don't want to be told I'm dying. I don't know if you followed um, a couple years ago during... Um, COVID and then the, the George Floyd protests and riots. Um, late in the summer, there was, uh, there was an, a shooting that took place where I think um, in Kenosha, Wisconsin, um, a, a police had had a, um, another uh, violent encounter with, uh, with an African-American, and the city of Kenosha like blew up. Um, and in the middle of that, uh, this 17- or 18-year-old kid uh, Kyle Rittenhouse decided that it would be a really good idea to take an AR-15 into a, uh, a riot. That was not a good idea. Do not do that. Nevertheless, uh, he made that choice. Apparently, he wanted to defend, help defend like some family or friends' businesses, something like that. In his mind, he was trying to do something uh, really good, and, and I think. At any rate, he did that, and he found himself in a circumstance where it was late at night, and uh, some aggressive uh, people were coming after him. It's a little bit it's a little difficult to know exactly what happened, but it ended up that he was being chased. He turned around and he fired, and I think, I think two of the attackers were, um, were killed and one was severely injured. Like, uh, I think his arm was, was severely damaged. Rittenhouse was arrested and he was charged with murder. Now, for me, I, I, I watched all the videos. Did, you, did anyone see those videos? Did anyone watch this, follow this? Okay, some of you. Um, I, I watched all the videos, and I, it was, I was like, oh, I don't, I'm not sure what to make of this. Um, I don't think it's a good idea to charge into war zones. But at the same time, it really looked to me like he was trying to protect himself in that situation. So I was very, like, I was very, uh, not quite sure what to make of it entirely. And so I, I, I got really interested in the trial, and I was following it. You know, I, I would have it, like, on my phone, just kind of watching it, you know, during the day. Um, and I was very interested to see how they were going to, you know, figure out the truth and make a judgment and all that. And uh, finally, it came to the day where they were going to deliver the verdict. 
And all throughout the, uh, all throughout the, the trial, Rittenhouse had been very, like, you know, 18, 19-year-old kid has basically his entire life on the, on the block right now, right? If he's guilty, he's going to prison for the rest of his life. If he's not guilty, he's off. And I will never forget when they finally came out, uh, came out with a verdict, his response. It, it was... I don't know if you saw it, but his, his whole body began to convulse. And then he slumped over, and he just began weeping. And whatever you think about uh, that verdict, that trial, um, and his actions, there's, there's obvious, there's, there's something very core about, about the human condition where we're, when we're put in a place of being judged, of potentially being punished, there's something powerfully emotive about that. There's a terror that consumes us when someone's above us and they're about to tell us, you're, you're guilty, you're not guilty. Your life is ruined, you have a new shot. Uh, you're going to suffer horribly or you're, you, everything's, everything's good now. There, there's this, this, wow. And I, I, was, I was moved by it. Like I, I was almost, even though I really didn't like Kyle Rittenhouse, I was moved, I was emotive because I saw what it was like to be declared not guilty. Well, we don't like to talk about it much, but, um, but God's not just a nice guy all the time. God is a just God. God is looking for us to live and, and act and breathe the way that God wants us to live and act and breathe. And God is in judgment over us. Now, we believe, and it's true, that anyone who's trusted in Jesus for life has eternal life. You're not in danger of, of hell, but that doesn't change the fact that judgment can come. God says, uh, I chastise them who, those whom I love. So if you're doing what you're doing and you're ignoring the way that God's operating, you are in danger of a little spanking. That happens. And with it, if we're aware of it, can come fear. It's the next thing in your note sheets. Judgment is coming. Are you scared? I think in John's day, uh, there, was, <laughs> there was a lot more fear of God. Um, in our day, we, not very few people live in terror of divine judgment or, um, you know. And I'm wondering if maybe we've gotten too far off onto, like, Jesus is my buddy and he's always loving me, and he's... And I wonder if if maybe there is a place for us to begin recognizing that God is a judge. And while, yes, our eternal future is secured, not everyone's is, and and even if our eternal future is secure, our here and now, we have to be careful. A couple of questions. How much do you think about it? I mean, honest with you, I never think about it. Because I don't like it. It makes me uncomfortable. Number two. Do you worry that if God goes to work in your life, it's going to tear some things out? going to expose some things? That maybe there is an element of purification and judgment that, you, that we kind of need? And if so, does that worry you? Well, if it does, John tells us exactly how to escape that fear forever. And let's go back to the text. 
John says, fear is not in God's love. Mature, again, that's love that's reached its goal. Love that's reached its goal drives out fear. Uh, that, that language there is the same language if you're reading the Gospels when Jesus drives demons, casts them out. Um, like, 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 just, just throws um, out fear. And if you are afraid, you've not yet reached love's goal. How does this work? How does mature love drive out fear? We, uh, we rescued a, we think, a, a mix of black lab and greyhound. Um, and she's, she's from Mexico, and we strongly suspect that he, she has some, some trauma in her background. Um, because she's a scaredy cat. She, uh, even now, like, she's gotten used to me, but she, she doesn't, she doesn't really come up and nuzzle me that much. She's more like... However, there are some people in the, fa- in the, in the family that she does love. Uh, and one of them, probably her biggest fan, or uh, the one that she's the biggest fan of, is Olivia. It's my middle. She's uh, almost nine. Is she nine? Did she have her birthday? <laughs> wow. Okay, that happened. Don't tell her. Just don't tell her that that happened. All right. Uh, anyway, um, yeah, so she's nine. And, uh, and I, I got a shot here of how much the dog loves her. That's her. Yeah. That's a win. Um, so Olivia was the one who met the dog. And Olivia was the one who demanded that we get the dog. And so we went. We met the, the foster family you know, in the park, and Olivia was, like, rolling around with the dog and scratching her and loving her, and it was, it was extremely cute. Um, and so we brought the, the dog home, and uh, that night, Olivia began um, sneezing and having extremely itchy eyes. And uh, we found out that she's allergic to the dog. And, and not, like, you know, not life danger allergic, but definitely, like, we sat her down, and we said, listen, Olivia... There's a strong possibility we're going to have to give this dog back because it's not right for you to be miserable all the time. So, you know, eyes like red and all of that and sneezing, she runs and just hugs the dog and says, you will not take this dog back. <laughs> okay. And then she says, I don't care. If I have to stay up in my room and never come down, I love this dog. And we rescued her, and that's a responsibility. For Olivia, the dog wasn't just something... Gracie's not just some animal that Olivia loves. She does love the dog. But it's, it's a special kind of love. Um, it's, it's a love that she's willing, she's willing to hurt for. She was willing to put up with bad health and all this in order to, to complete the mission, to save and rescue this, this dog.
The love that Olivia has for Gracie is a microcosm of the love that God has for every single one of us. To God, every single one of us is a rescue. Every single one of us was far off. Every single one of us is broken in a lot of different ways. And what God sees, when God sees it, it's, it's almost insane that God sees this and says, I am going to love you back to health. I'm going to go and I'm going to get you. And it doesn't, I don't care what it costs me. I don't care if it costs me my life. I am going to save you. If that's how much God loves us, if God looks at each of us just like Olivia looks at Gracie, but in an unimaginably deeper and broader and more powerful and more committed way, if that's what God's love is like for us, we have nothing to fear. Just as Olivia would never allow anything that, to, to, to happen to that dog that, that wouldn't be good for her, the same thing we can say, that's the same thing with God. That's who God is. That's what God is doing for us. Yes, there are times in our life where we are, we are in pain. There's times that we, we are hurt. There are times that we lose hope. There are times of despair. But if we remember, if we remember the kind of love that God's love is, we can know that there's nothing to fear. Not in this life, not in the next. God has it all. God's love is all-consuming and will not fail us. It's the last thing in your note sheets. When we love like God, we see like God. When we see like God, we know there is nothing to fear in this world or the next. And that should bring up a couple of questions. Livia loves Gracie so much that she's willing to... Oh, by the way, we've got a con, some control on the allergy thing. I washed her. I washed the dog. That was a huge deal. Apparently the dog was very dirty. Um, and so after that, she, some of her, uh, her allergies... Went, we gave her some of that... Is it Leia here? Zizol? Leia Johnson said, use Zizol. It seems to be helpful. She's got some eye drops. So we're working on it. So it's not like a lost cause. But don't forget that that's the kind of love they have. She was willing to love the dog so much that it hurt. Who do you love so much that it hurts? Well, probably, uh, if you're like most folks, your children, your spouse, your parents, your very, very close friends. When we say that this church is the family of God, what we're saying is that we want to come to a place where we love each other so much that it hurts. So much that we're willing to pay a price for it. And so that brings us to the last question, number two. Are we willing to love like that more? Are you willing to expand the circle of people that you love so much that it hurts, so much that it costs? Are you willing to let a few more people into that zone, into that circle? If you think that that's going to be a fun and awesome thing, it will be, but it also comes with vulnerability and pain. Because the people that you let in like that are the ones that can hurt you the most. And yet you can't give up on them. You have to keep pursuing them because you're willing to love so much that it hurts. 
if we did, imagine what the world would be like. Imagine what this place would be like if we let just a few more people in to that same level of of missional, self-sacrificial love. Just one or two more, you let them in. Maybe you can find them today on the field while we're celebrating and eating. Imagine what this church would be like. Imagine what your life would be like. Imagine what Orange County would be like. Imagine what this country would be like if more people could let somebody in. Because yes, you are opening yourself up and becoming vulnerable. Yes, you are risking. Yes, but if God loves us like Olivia loves Gracie, we should be fearless. Let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you that you love us with such a passionate, intense, faithful, and committed love that, that your love for us is the love of a rescue, a rescue mission to find us where we are, to change us, transform us, make us yours, and that you're willing to hurt to do it. Gracious God, may we begin working out that muscle of your love. May we begin training it and deploying it, letting it hurt, and yet seeing the joy and the majesty of what you do through it that we become just like Jesus in this world. May we have bravery, fearlessness to expand our love, to open our love. And may this community become just like Jesus as we do it. Jesus, in your name we pray. Amen.